Lucky you. 36 best holes in golf. Alternate Shots Podcast. Barney's Army. Where we talk about golf. Sandy. Poker. James Bond. Horse racing. Double. Classic movies. Zenyatta. We have no script. Down the stretch they come. We are glad you joined us. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. (laughs) Okay, Billy Regan, we are so happy today. With us is a special guest. None other than the 1972 USGA Women's Open champion, Susie Maxwell Burning. Welcome, Susie. No, thank you. It's nice to be uh, with you both. Yeah, thank felt you. Like we felt like we were just with you two weeks ago, and we were. You were. Yeah, that was, a, right? that was a great, great time at Wingfoot. I sure appreciate them inviting me to their 100th anniversary. That is something else. That's right. And just 50 years ago, you won the Open at Wingfoot. So you're part of the history. Anyway, you're always been that be long ago. Oh, my gosh. 1972. 50 years ago. <laughs> well, <laughs> In golfer years, it was yesterday. <laughs> so that that's incredible, and and I'm, I'm I see the picture here I found on the Golf Digest, and uh, somebody was nice enough to share their picture of the autograph you sign on their Wingfoot East scorecard. Um, what do you remember back then? Did, did did you show up at Wingfoot that week, and that was the first time you saw the East Course, or did you have the opportunity to play there before the Open started? No, that was um, the first time I'd ever seen it. A very interesting thing. I was with Dunlop Sports, and I believe Paul McDonald was a member at Wingfoot, and he was also CEO of Dunlop out of Buffalo. Well. They were doing some advertising of their golf ball. And now this goes back four years before the Open. So that was 1968. For some reason, I happened to be in New York playing some other tournament. And they called me up, Dunlop did, and they wanted to do some press shots of advertising their new golf ball. And believe it or not, Paul McDonald took me to Wingfoot. And the ad, in fact, I have a copy of the ad, and I was going to send it to uh, Brett, who's your historian. And uh, it shows me standing in front of the Wingfoot Clubhouse advertising these Dunlop golf balls. And that was four years before I won the Open. Um, now, I had never played Wingfoot then. I just was there for a photo shoot, and, and then I went off to wherever. Did but you happen to be a of... Dunlop ball when you won the Open? Oh, yeah. I was with Dunlop at the time, yes. Max Fly balls, yes. Yeah. The whole but, thing, so... ball. Clubs, woods. Yeah, stuff. everything. Yes, everything. Yeah. They paid me a big $3,000 a year. I remember the Dunlop Max Fly with a little blue kind of logo. The dots, the, the blue, blue dot, dot, red dot. Yeah. Yeah. I played many of those and lost many of them, Billy. The Max Fly <laughs> DDH, the dodecahedron design. Yeah, I played the either one, the red dot and the blue dot and the black dot, I think, were different compressions, if I recall. But you came yeah, to Wingfoot, right. unlike a lot of other people. You already won an Open in 68. You beat good old Mickey Wright. I'm sure you were happy about meet, beating Mickey Wright in 1968, right? No, well, that was a fun experience, yeah. I had just been married seven weeks, uh, so <laughs> my mind probably wasn't on golf that much in the evenings. But uh, I just had fun. I led every day, but I never gave it any thought. You know, it's funny how your mind works. I recall going to the Wingfoot Open in 72, Joe Defini, I don't know if you guys remember Defini clothing. Sure. Yep. Well, Joe 
I mean, I represented them, wore their clothing and everything. And Joe and his wife had a home in Pelham, which wasn't very far from Wingfoot. I actually stayed with them during that week. And Joe had uh, at least two brothers, maybe three. One was, his name was Sal. And Sal wasn't a golfer. And after the first round at Wingfoot, my blazing 79, had dinner with Joe and Sal and family. And Sal says to me, you're going to have to play real hard or you're going to miss the cut. And, you know, it's funny. It never faced me. I never gave it any thought. There's a guy trying to remind me that I'm going to miss the cut if I don't play good. And I never even thought about it. And, of course, you know, you know what happened after that. I made the cut. You're absolutely but, uh, <laughs> I forgot what was your second round. Was it like 71 or 72? It was pretty low. I think, I think it, was it was 73, I think. Which and is- then 76. And the third round, when I had to 76, I could get up and look at the scorecard. But on a par five, I had eight. I oh, was boy. three over on the par five, and I was only two over for the rest of the holes. Is that that nasty fourth hole with the water on the right down? No, there? this was the backside. Oh, then this, that's the sick, the twelfth hole, the twelfth hole, long, long yeah. hole. I you do can not see it here on the card. The it's called Long John, and it's five hundred and probably fifteen yards from where you played it. Five hundred yards, very long uphill, couple of shots. Yeah, I don't recall, but I made an eight on it. <laughs> yeah that when i was a caddy as a kid back then in 72 that was the one i dreaded because little legs don't go so far on those 500 i had little legs back then now back on our pelham because we have some friends that watch this pelham guys you're still on report by the way not you know we brought up pelham i didn't bring it up uh susie did we have some really uh characters that live in pelham susie like your friend that you stayed with so Back to the the open, Pam Barnett should have won that open, didn't? Don't you think? Well, I, you know, and I think if I recall, she started out the final round like two birdies in the first two holes or something, and at one time was five shots ahead or more of me. But then, you know, Pam, um, I can't recall if she'd ever experienced the pressure of an open, and fortunately, I had. And it's like Kathy Irwin, I think, was in contention too. And if I look back at the, the ones that were in contention, uh, you know, they they hadn't experienced it like I had. Uh, I guess I had a little bit of uh, memories of feedback on the pressure uh, since, you know, of the 68 Open. Uh, and I think, I think I was fortunate that Mickey Wright wasn't in contention to speak of, or Joanne Carner kind of blew it, I think. So the experienced golfers... <clears throat> The ones that really won a lot on tour that week or day, uh, you know, they weren't right down my back. Um, of course, did play long. I, I do know this. I hit, I don't hit the ball very far. I never did. But I kept the ball in the fairway, and I made some critical putts. And I think I also three-putted the 16th hole the final day to kind of make it more exciting for everybody else. <laughs> but you did birdie. Perhaps the hardest par three at Wingfoot, that was the 17th hole. Didn't you birdie that hole? I think you did. You made a 20-footer from right to left. That, that yeah, got that, to 11, yeah. You know, the USGA didn't do as much favors there. Um, <laughs> uh, the hole played 200 yards. And for me, my driver, I could probably fly at 210, sometimes 220. 
My three wood, uh, it wouldn't go 190 or less. And the 17th hole, you know, it looked a little downhill in the tee box, but then the green was a little bit elevated. And, you know, if you came up short, it's not going to roll on. And for some, who knows why, I just saw it in my eyes. I felt it in my hands. I said, I'm going to feather a driver in there. <laughs> well, I swear to this day, uh, the new equipment, the big, huge heads and stuff, the metals, woods, you can't feather those things. There's no feel in them. But this old persimmon driver, the little tiny head, I just swung, I think, like half speed, and I hit the driver, and it landed on the green, and it stayed on the green. My my recollection is it kind of hit toward the top of that bank, which softened it a little bit, and then it, it as it does from the tee to the green, it goes up and to the right. And you were 15 to 20 feet just to the right of it, and you putted it right in the back of the cup. It was awesome. And then you held So you're saying I didn't really hit the green. It hit short of the green. No, well, you hit in the middle of the green. The green, the, there's a front oh. of the green that's not usable, but you hit into the just at the base of the hill, right, Billy? The false front in the front, and then it kicked up. And you said the USGA didn't do you any favors. Nobody can really do you any favors on that hole. So Was there a T that's more else. forward? Was there another T on that hole? In those days, there really wasn't. You were playing, uh, you know, there really wasn't. Today, there's multiple T options, but, you know, that to me, Marilyn Smith was in one of the practice grounds that we played. My caddy for Mary Mills, who I told you about. Uh -huh. Marilyn Smith said the place to be four days in a row is right in front right. And she was pretty much, if you could take it down there and not tee it up and put in the front right of the green, sort of on the fairway in the front right, you can make three or four every time there. You know, if you're a good putter, you might make three. That's that's how. So apparently they didn't have any tees forward. No. They didn't really have much of an option like a 170, which could have been an iron play, right? Yeah. Okay. I didn't. I didn't know that. Uh, I, we, you know, I didn't look then for another tee, um, and I'm sure now they've built some forward tees. So, Susie, that 17th hole really was treacherous. You were, you would, if you, I'm sure you've looked at some of the video. A lot of the competitors had a, a lot of trouble with that hole. You got the skin probably at least for the su Sunday, right, Billy? Maybe for the whole I'm week. Say, I'm going to say that's got to be the toughest birdie out there, certainly under pressure, and certainly that late in a round. And some of the better players at Wingfoot, even today, we have a very, very competent amateur named Joe Somers. He's very accomplished. And I asked him one day, you know, what do you hit on 17? He said, I don't know how to play that hole. So making a two there is absolutely enormous. And then Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, I, I, can I get up and carry this with me? I have a scorecard. I'm curious to see what my scores were on that hole. So we were talking about the 17th hole, and you were going to go refer to your scorecard. I guess you got the scorecard from that open in front of you. <laughs> yeah, and my here's what I did on those hole that hole 17th hole. The first day a par, the second day a par, the third day a bogey, and of course the fourth day a birdie. Well, you so got I was even par for that hole. Nobody was even par for that hole out of the 150 some odd competitors. I guarantee you that. Well, I was. You were. And that's why you're the champ. That's why you're the <laughs> champ. So back, do you look at the 15th hole? Billy and I 
think that's the shortest, hardest par four around maybe the world. And it showed very difficult to you and your competitors. That's the 320 yard with the pond in front, the elevated green. Do yeah. you that, that hole? Yeah, I do. And that's that I, I the first, I, I parred, I parred, I parred. And then the last day I three putted for bogey. Yeah, you hit it down in the front left and it was a tough, or you had, you had a long putt. Yeah, and I knocked it quite a bit by. Yeah, the, missed it coming the, ball, back. the balls don't stop. You know, it's a hard green to read. And, and nine times out of 10, if it gets past the hole, it runs out a good distance. Yeah. And if you can imagine when Gil Hans did the restoration, he made that green harder. Not necessarily the distance, but, you know, a 10 handicap golfer at Wingfoot will be hitting a nine or a wedge into that hole. And they'll hit it one out of three times. Come up toward a yeah. lot. Just has yeah. close. Yeah, and looking at the scorecard on the old number um, four, par five. Yes. I was three under on that hole for the week. Wow. I went par birdie, birdie, birdie. And it says the card said it was 549 yards. The number one um, handicap on the, on the course. Yeah. Well, yeah, it sure is. What wow. I recall about that one, Billy, is they played the forward tee, but that still means you were hitting your third shot from down below. And even the best amateur golfers that just played last week and the Anderson find that pitch shot very difficult. The green's very difficult. So you had how many birdies? Three out of four? A lot. Runs off the right side a lot. I birdied it the last three days. First day I party. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is why you won. This is why you won. Yeah, well, and and then they go back the and holes to their knees. You look at another uh, part five, and I referred to that earlier. Uh, number twelve, I went bogey, birdie, eight, and then par. That wasn't your favorite hole. That's the number two stroke call, no? Yeah. Yes, yeah. second handicap. You're right. Yeah, I messed that one up pretty good, didn't I? <laughs> We joined the party. <laughs> Billy hadn't yet joined Wingfoot back then. He joined a few years later, but I was there since the late 60s. And I, again, caddied, but so did Neil Christie, one of our, he's won the club championship in a number of tournaments at Wink. Very fine player, even till today. He caddied for Judy Rankin. Ah, my best friend. Okay, so you can needle her if you want. Oh, I did. You. We already, every time we're together, I said, I'm sorry I took it away from you. Because you know, she never won it. She never won to open. It was that birdie on 17, or you would have been tied. Oh, that's true. Very true. We would have had a four-way playoff. So she she um three-putted quite a bit. And Neil's a good player. And he said, after three days, you know, we didn't do much back then. The caddies did the old show up, shut up, and keep up. You know, <laughs> and if you were asked for your opinion, and Neil, Neil could read the greens as well as anybody there. And, and finally, he said to Judy after the third round, how many cups of coffee do you have a day? She says, five. Judy, Judy, one, one cup tomorrow. That's it. So she was a little, and those greens were treacherous on a day-to-day -day basis as well as in the open. So she did a little bit better, but um, imagine all those three putts. I mean, I don't know if you remember three putting. You probably didn't three putt that often, right? Not that I don't, the scorecard doesn't show the putts, but. I want to tell you something about the caddy. Now I had, you know, I, um, I guess my husband kind of encouraged me to do it, but I'd call up 
the course, and I'd ask them if they had a, any young members, members' sons that played golf there and caddied. And I had a young boy that was a son of a member caddy for me. I wish I could remember his name and stuff. But I do remember him telling me one thing. He said, everything breaks towards the city, towards New York City. Of course, I had to keep asking him which direction New York City was in because <laughs> of all the big trees and stuff. Yeah, yeah, we have caddies there that use the expression, the city's going to fight it. When oh, you get okay, trees, yeah. The city's <laughs> going to fight it. Yeah. Now, Judy, Judy was a, a, a wonderful ball striker and a good is a good friend, but uh, she did have her putting problems. But let's face it, I think she won 26 times. Oh, she won quite a bit. Now, let's talk about that for a minute. Congratulations. You're on a very short list of people. Now, Betsy Rawls and, and Mickey Wright won four U.S. Opens. Very good players. Great to be in a conversation with those two players, which you are because you won three with Hollis Stacy and Annika Storenson, by my research. That's amazing. Not many people have won three U.S. Opens in men's or women's golf. That's an incredible short list. Well, you list. know. Not, not many people have won three events in their life. <laughs> well, I think the amazing thing is that, and I don't mean to, you know, knock my own horn, but um, I won in 68, and then I had my first child in 70, and then one again in 72 and 73. So the three wins were in a short period of time, like within six years. And then your baby turned into a handful, I'm sure, as I, my grandchildren did when they hit two and three and four years old. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Terrible twos, terrible threes. But yeah. And, and then I had another child in, when I, in 1977. And I called them my other second and as fifth, uh, fifth and sixth major. <laughs> the daughters yeah. and you also won the 1965 women's western open which at the time billy was considered one of the four uh ladies yeah. majors and where uh, was that yeah beverly country club in chicago right. tough tough golf course i was the only person that had a round in the 60s and that just happened to be my last day and i beat marlene hagee who became best friends too by one shot <laughs> Oh, well, yeah. everything in Chicago is tough. Yeah, Beverly was Beverly was a really a tough golf course for us. It give you a, a feel, Billy. Patty Berg won the Western Open, the Women's Western Open, seven times. Did Babe, she really? Babe wow. Zaharias, Babe Digerson Zaharias. I don't know what you call her. Give her. I'll call her by both names. And Louise Suggs won that championship four times. It's amazing. But though the um, and then the title holders did did you ever do well in the title holders? I I didn't see you. No, you know I think I only played in it twice before they discontinued it. Yeah, it it's stopped kind of in like seventy two. Yeah, yeah, and it was kind of like the Western Open, you know. Um, I don't know when it stopped, but uh, I don't think it went into the seventies. I'm not sure. So let's let's. Pivot a little bit. A few years back, the PGA, let's see, was it the PGA of America got involved with the uh, LPGA championship? And now it's called, this year it's called the KPMG PGA, uh, Women's KPMG PGA Championships. It's going to be held at Baltusrol, not too far from Wingfoot this year. 
What what do you think about all of that? And has it helped the women's game that that move? That's now years and years ago, I think. I know. I, I never did quite. I don't like the name. It's too long. Number one, it doesn't really identify women's golf at the start of the title of the tournament. Let's make it simple. Just say, you know, ladies professional, uh, blah, blah, blah. Instead of putting all that other stuff in front of it. Uh, the LPGA championship sounded good to me. Me too. Yeah. Cause that's what it really is. It was. Uh, yeah. I, I'm sorry. Everything now is sponsored that even baseball, that pitch was brought to you by Geico or whatever. So there's no getting around it anymore. Well, thank goodness the women's USGA is not putting some sponsor's name in front of it and calling it the Firestone USGA Open or something, you know. Well, another um, yeah. dagger into sports. Oh, I know. Well, the sponsors are important. You know, the money's important. Um, you know, speaking of that, I never played for the money. There wasn't enough money to worry about. I played to win golf tournaments. And nowadays, you go to the live tour? please, you wouldn't go to the live tour if you were. Asked? No, sir. <laughs> no. And today, I mean, even even when I was out there, uh, I heard girls. I oh, I just want to make the cut. I just want to make the cut. Wait, are you playing just to make the cut or are you playing to win a tournament? And I think now we've got so many just playing. Oh, I just want to finish in the top 10. You know, it's the money. I played because I loved the game and I wanted to win. To me, you know. And you uh, did. Money was second, you know. I, I mean, and how much money do you really need? I'm sorry. I don't mean to, to begrudge these people that are wanting all these millions and millions and millions. But, you know, you, anyway, you can only use so much. You think Rosang has got the same attitude you had? But she just wants to go out and win. She didn't care about the money. Perhaps. Because she's young. Um, I don't know. You know, yeah, I don't know her background. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Well, Tiger Woods certainly wanted to just win. Yes. I mean, he made a lot of money, but he went out there to win. There's no clue. You could see it in his face. You could see it in his interviews, even when he was a kid. You know, and Palmer, Nicholas, and, you know, I mean, you take Mickey. Judy, Kathy, uh, Patty Berg. I mean, Patty Berg, she 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 was a sweetheart. And, and everybody, you know, as a young kid, I had freckles. And Patty Berg, of course, had a lot of freckles and stuff. And uh, when I was growing up, I used to love to watch Patty Berg because um, they thought, you know, I was a younger Patty Berg. But anyway, you know, Patty Berg, when she won her first tournament, she got a $100 savings bond. When I was, was 80 years old... The pro at Simon Roy Country Club, Tom Kerrigan, gave me a Patty Berg driver, sawed-off Patty Berg driver. It was my first golf club. My clubs were Patty Berg Wilson, first clubs ever. Yep. Yeah. So, and yeah, so they 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 did exhibitions, I, I suppose, from time to time too, like the men. Oh did. yeah, clinics. I mean, when when you were, because uh, one of the reasons, I mean, yeah, uh, the pro that helped me get started in golf also one time invited me to go over to Lincoln Park in Oklahoma City and watch something. And I actually asked him if I could ride my horse. And he says, yeah, tie it up behind the pro shop and by this tree. And it was Patty Berg giving a clinic 
And, you know, she was laughing up a storm, taking her hat and turning it one way for a slice and the other way for open stuff. <laughs> and I, I actually said to this pro, Easy Ferguson, I said, that's what golf's about? I said, she's having a lot of fun. Maybe I should try. I'd like to try that. And so watching Patty give the clinic and, you know, the time Marilyn Smith gave clinics and uh, it, it's too bad. Even when I was on the tour, we used to do what we call um, during the Wednesday afternoon of, before a round of a tournament, we'd have a swing parade, we called it. And, you know, various Patty Bird was the MC and she'd have us hit various clubs. And of course, the gallery would, you know, come and watch free. And it promoted ladies golf and it promoted younger kids to get involved. And it's too bad now. Uh, in fact, I think I remember Patty Berg telling me that Wilson paid her $25 a clinic. And when I first joined the tour, I was given a contract by Wilson. And I had to go down to Naples, Florida, and learn how to give clinics Patty Berg's way. And that was, that was a wonderful experience. It really helped me in my teaching and everything else later in my life. And uh, I don't know what happened. I can't remember, but uh, I guess Wilson didn't pay me or something. And so Dunlop offered me something. But anyway, Patty, I, I admire Patty and her clinics. And Marilyn Smith used to give the clinics. Uh, I think it's too bad that they still don't happen. No, you know, I don't. I had my hip replaced about three years ago, my left hip. And uh, they botched it up so bad. They made my operated leg one inch longer. And so ever since then, it's caused me back problems and everything. I'm not about to go have it redone. So um, anyway, yeah, I enjoy the game. I'd love to talk about it, love to teach it and help people realize, you know, if you want to be good, you're going to have to work at it. So many people think, well, you know, I took a lesson. Okay, now I know how to play. Well, as we all know, that doesn't work. And so many people don't put the time into practice, um, in my opinion. Okay. We ask this question to special guests from time to time. What's the one lesson in golf that has lasted your whole life? Hmm. Well, I have to say, gosh, it's the people that I meet in golf. I have never, I swear, met somebody that uh, wasn't a nice, decent person that played the game of golf. Um, golf teaches us to be humble and to love life, I think, to love the outdoors. I, I, I feel sorry for somebody who never is able to experience uh, spending some time outside. You know, and I mean, granted, let's say you're, you know, you're a, uh, you work in an office, you know, five days a week, and then you go to the gym. <clears throat> well, maybe we could find a way to put the gym outside or find hiking. I used to do a lot of hiking around here. I love to hike and see things. And, you know, I, I just do. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's special. Billy and I say to a couple of guys that we've talked with that, work at Wingfoot, including the locker men, the valets. Mm -hmm. Somebody comes to complain, you should tell them go down the road, rethink it and come back again. Cause you got it pretty good if you're at Wingfoot, right? You oh yeah. Good if one. you're on a golf course. Any golf course. Yeah. You know, being outside, yeah. But Wingfoot is very special. 
And I'll tell you what, I was, how many, what, 800 people came to dinner for the celebration? At least. That was just unbelievable, amazing. Getting 800 people in the same place at the same time, all in a good mood is harder than yeah. 17 East. <laughs> <laughs> but I heard so much great feedback from your clinic with Jeff Ogilvy and Billy Harmon that you left more at Wingfoot in 2023 than you just did 50 years ago. And there are a lot of Susie Maxwell burning disciples, uh, female and male juniors over there that are going to remember that day, that Sunday, a couple of Sundays ago that you spent time with them. That's really. Yeah. Something. Well, thank you. I kind of, I kind of wish I did, uh, did more and spent more time with them. And, you know, there's one little girl I remember, you know, um, she, she took her putter and uh, acted like it was a driver. I mean, I don't know if you call that little girl, but she went after 99 miles an hour. And I wanted to try and get her and say, you know, let's roll the ball a little bit. We're yeah. not going to hit the putt. We're going to roll it, you know, calm her down a little bit. But it, it was funny watching what, you know, those kids, hey, they had a good time. Yeah. You have a prediction for the uh, LPGA that's being held in a couple of weeks at Baltus Roll? Do you have any favorite uh LPGA pros? That uh, I don't know. You know, um, you, you think of it this way. Um, you take the uh, U.S. Open that's at Pebble Beach in a couple weeks. You know, there's not any trees to speak of in the way there. And uh, wide open scenery. Beautiful, but wide open. And then you go back and play a course like Wingfoot or Baldus Roll that is very tree-lined and I call it tunnel vision. And uh, some people play a course that is wide open better than they do a course that is uh, tree-lined and because they get, you know, feels like it's locked up, not enough room. Um, yeah, don't I don't know. To, they have to steer the ball. Yeah, you're going to have to take somebody who is the driver fairly straight. Okay. Yeah, that's what I mean. I think uh, Wingfoot's the same way. Um, now, I know that they've taken out a lot of trees there, but for the health of the course, but still, you got to drive it in the right place and stay out of the rough. No question. Well, you can see this picture on the right of your name on the screen here. That's no longer there. And where these guys are walking there on the left, there's a bunker now on the 18th East, which is original Tillinghast design, a little bunker there about 80 yards from the green, Billy. Yep. Uh -huh. And then that green comes all the way down to the fairway, much like 18 West. So there's a tremendous false front there, and it makes for a lot of excitement. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, both 18 holes at Wingfoot are tough closing holes because of their greens. Well, they should be. Yeah, I agree. Definitely should be. Yeah, I know. At you know the eight, go back to the 17th after I buried that one. I think I knew I was in contention, but didn't quite know where. Quite where, but I do recall on the 18th tee. I think it was the first time that I'd experienced a few nerves, and I did sky my drive. I, I I bet it didn't go, you know, over 200 yards. I skied it because I think I had a five wood to the green. Yep. You had a small headed club back then. It's hard to tell from a five wood and a three wood and a driver. The heads were yeah, yeah. kind of about the same size there, but they were small. Yeah. And I think uh, in the days before I had like five iron. Well, yeah. walking off the tee box, I had been working with Jim Flick. And I recall Jim telling me, 
that a skied T-ball is um, still a sign of a good swing. And so that, I think, took the tension that I made a bad swing out of my mind. And then I used to love the fairy woods. So I think I was happy. I was lucky that I had a five wood to the green and not a five iron. <laughs> yeah. Crazy, yeah. huh? A lot of fairway hit woods hit at Wingfoot. To park oh, five. it was so soft because yeah. of the rain. The previous yeah, the week. Rain yeah. was, the rain was horrible that week. It wasn't so bad on Sunday, but the water was in the ground. Oh, yeah. I had one drive, I think, the first day. I had to call for a ruling. Uh, the pit mark, the ball hit and came just at, with a driver just out of its pit mark. And was a big lump of dirt turf right behind my ball. And I'd called for a ruling because but, and the ball wasn't embedded. So I here I am trying to hit this fairy wood with a clump of turf right behind my ball. I don't remember what happened to the shot, but I didn't get any relief. Let's put it that way. They didn't give any relief yeah. in the old days. Hit it. Well, Hit that's it. the way it should be played. Yeah. Yeah. The ball yeah. where it lies, right? Mm -hmm. So exactly. Billy and I are classic movie fans. Do you have a favorite movie that you uh, like to see once in a while? Is there? A, do you have a favorite movie? I like westerns. I've uh -huh. always liked westerns. Yeah. I mean, I love the scenery. I think horses are some of the prettiest, beautiful animals in the world. Um, and I mean, I think I watch Westerns because more for the scenery and the horses. And then the third would be the actor. <laughs> well, you have like a spot with this guy. Billy likes horses and likes Westerns, don't you, Billy? I do. I love All horses. right, Billy. Yeah. Do you, uh, do you have any horses or did you have horses? No, I just... I just put money on them and hope they do as well as you did in the open. Oh, you bet on racehorses. Yeah. My father used to do that. And here <laughs> he always said, if a horse relieved itself before the race, he knew the horse was going to run good. Yeah. Somebody just said that to me this weekend. By the way, history was made this weekend when the first uh, women trainer, a uh, woman trainer won the, the first triple crown race was that, that was ever won by a woman trainer. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Hey, what is happening? How come all these horses getting hurt? I wish I knew the answer to that. I think sometimes they're overtrained. I think that's true with a lot of athletes these days. Because if you, if you look around sports, baseball players are always getting hurt. Pitchers can't last anymore. I think they're all overtraining. Well, look at Tiger Woods and trying to pop that left knee, you know, years ago. Yeah. And hurt himself. I mean, he built himself up. David Duval did it. He was like number one in the world, and he built himself up. And right, you're right. There's more know. back injuries now in the PGA Tour. I don't know. I don't know about the LBGA Tour, but uh, we have a few golfers here in Jupiter. Brandon Matthews is a rookie this year. Back problems. Uh, Daniel Berger lives a little further down the street from me. Here, he hasn't played since last U.S. Open a year ago, and I keep asking him, and he's re. re uh, rehabilitating his back. Uh, a lot of these guys have back issues. I guess Morikawa too. Well, they're back asking cousin. too much of their bodies. Yeah, you know. I mean, why is distance? Uh, distance is becoming the number one most important thing in golf. You know, can I outdrive you? Which I is mean, more of an amateur desire, I think, than pro, because you know, 
You always want to hit it far when you're an amateur. Pros should know better. Should, well, they should, but still, you know, hey, if you go to a demo day, whether it be the tour or your club, what's everybody want to go try? Drivers. Yeah. They don't want to go to the putting green and try a new putter. Yeah. Anyway. Corey Pavin. Corey Pavin hit a beautiful fairway wood at Chinnacock. Oh, yeah. Sure did. Well, you know, let's take it. He was little. He's a little guy anyhow. Yeah. So, you know, he's not going to be like a John Rom or something, you know. Well, it's too bad. I mean, Corey Merkel was uh, not very big and he hits it a mile. Oh, he does, doesn't he? Yeah, it's amazing. I, I think of sports and what sport is there that a tall person is not at an advantage. I mean, you take tennis and golf and uh, football, basketball, tall people advantage. But I think bowling, maybe tall people don't have an advantage. Yeah, that's, that's probably true because they ping pong. Target. I used to play ping pong with George Archer. He'd never move his feet and he could straddle the table. You know, and... <laughs> No, well, definitely. this has been this has been awesome, Susie. We've learned so many things from you. We like to ask a question. Let's say you went to a cocktail party and it was a pretty busy room. On one side of the room, there we go. On one side of the room was Frank Sinatra in his prime. So let's just talk a few years ago. On the other side of the room was Arnold Palmer in his prime. You come into that room. Where are you going? Palmer. Absolutely. I knew you would say yeah, that. Of course. I mean, I was very fortunate. I played 18 holes with Arnold Palmer. Um, my brother, Roger, who's been influential in golf all these years, he was head pro at Camelback Country Club, and then he started a, a retail store called In Celebration of Golf in Scottsdale. And he actually became very good friends with Arnold, and he attended. Uh, Arnold used to have a big birthday party uh, in La Trobe, and uh, Roger was always invited to that. And he went to the last birthday party. But Arnold was always very nice to me. We, Like I said, I played 18 holes with him. Um, just just a peach of a guy. Just a nice peach of a guy. Everybody. He was a true gentleman. Yeah, he remembered my name. I mean, uh, there's others that, you know, I played 18 holes with somebody else. And, you know, years later, kind of said, oh, you did? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Well, I dare say that everyone that played in your era on the LPGA, on, on the elite tour, as they call it now, for women, they all knew your name. Four major championships. You competed a lot. You were you were very tough to beat from 1966 to the early 70s for that eight, 10-year period of time. Maybe you were even tougher to beat later. But uh, you made an impression. 1,500 Wingfoot members who will know your name forever. Well, that was such a fun, fun, fun trip. Thank you so much. Well, we appreciate your time. and uh, But this has been awesome. Any parting thoughts, Billy? I just feel lucky to have, have been in, in the company of Susie Maxwell Burning. I've, I've had my brother was a historian at Wingfoot for years. And I found in his effects when he passed away a flag that you autographed. I brought it over to the pro shop. So they have it in their archives. Thank you for, yeah. for, for golf and for Wayne Clinton. Thank you for joining us today. It was an honor. You're welcome. And you wouldn't go to the live tour if you were asked? No, sir. <laughs> no. And today, I mean, even, even when I was out there, 
uh, I heard girls, I j- oh, I just want to make the cut. I just want to make the cut. Wait, are you playing just to make the cut or are you playing to win a tournament? And I think now we've got so many just playing. Oh, I just want to finish in the top 10. You know, it's the money. I played because I loved the game and I wanted to win. Thanks for joining Casper, us today. Billy Horner. We really appreciate your Double feedback. Indemnity. And please Marky, subscribe to the show Ratter, and hit Claude the bell Harmon, icon so you get notified movie classics, of new episodes. Mark Gable. Hit them hard job, and hit them off. That's 36 holes.